Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm going to show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Premed Year, session number 276. Hello and welcome to the three-time Academy Award-nominated podcast, The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician or a medical student. Got to start somewhere. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years as I said at the beginning, my name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I am here to help educate you, to help motivate you, and give you the information that you need to know to hopefully make you one day a successful medical student or a successful applicant to medical school. That is my goal here. I want you to understand that you can get into medical school no matter where you are starting out as. It may not be as fast as you want. It may not be as easy as you want. But if you're willing to put in the time and effort, you can get into medical school. Today, I'm going to answer some questions from The Hangout. If you're not aware, The Hangout is our private Facebook group for amazing pre-med students like yourself. This Facebook group has almost 4,500 students in it right now. And it is an environment of collaboration. If you're used to online communities of pre-med students where there's a lot of fighting and narcissism and other amazing things that you just don't want to be around, then the Hangout is the place for you. You can join the Hangout by going to medicalschoolhq.net slash group, or if you're on Facebook, just search for Pre-Med Hangout click the join group button, answer the questions, and we'll get you approved and into the group as soon as possible. So students post in the Hangouts, and I've selected a few posts from the Hangout recently that I want to answer here on the podcast. So that's what we're going to be covering today. We're going to cover some things about community college courses, shadowing DOs, letters of recommendations, and a few others. So let's go ahead and dive in and get going. Before I start with that, though, I want to mention a couple things. 
Number one, if you are struggling or thinking about uh, preparing for your medical school interview and you're struggling with how to prepare for your medical school interview, I have a book on that, The Pre-Med Playbook, Guide to the Medical School Interview. That is out, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you buy your books, go get it. It's been helping a ton of students. I've gotten some great feedback on there. If you just go to Amazon, look at the reviews on there, you can see that most students like it. The students who don't like it are either, they either got the wrong book and or it smelled, the book smelled somehow, and it uh, was uh, affecting that person's smell sensors and uh, some other funky reasons for getting some one and two star reviews. So it was awesome. So that's Pre-Med Playbook Guide to the Medical School Interview. You can pre-order my next book, Pre-Med Playbook Guide to the Medical School Personal Statement. That is coming out paperback in August. So for next cycle, starting in 2019. Uh, the ebook will hopefully be out before then. I'm just finalizing the internal layout of the book right now. As soon as that's done, the ebook will start to be worked on. Uh, and hopefully April, May, it looks like, uh, would be a better time frame for that. Still pushing it a little bit for this cycle. But anyway, that's personalstatementbook.com to pre-order the pre-med playbook guide to the medical school personal statement. I'm excited. I've been working on the next book for 2019, pre-med playbook guide to the medical school application, I think will be the name of that one, which will cover all about the application process. All right. With that said, let's jump into these questions. So we have one here. It says, I'm a non-trad pre-med looking at summer classes. I did my first year of credits at community college, but I'm now at a four-year college. Would it be okay for me to take those summer classes, physics one and two, at community college? I will still return to my four-year college in the fall, but the summer classes at the community college would fit into my life schedule better. So this is a super common question for students for students, super common question for students. Can I take credits at community college? And this one is even a little bit more nuanced. I'm at a four-year university. Can I take summer classes at community college? And students worry too much about too much minutia, all of the little details, right? If, If I can pass along one thing to you today, is to stop worrying about all of the small details. The small details will not keep you out of medical school. What will keep you out of medical school is having a poor GPA, a poor MCAT score, applying late to medical school, applying to the wrong medical schools, having a poor personal statement, having poor extracurriculars, not having the right extracurriculars, right? Those are the big picture items that you need to make sure that you handle when it comes to applying to medical school. Outside of that, all of these other questions that we answer all of the time in the Hangouts, in the forums on medicalschoolhq.net, or here on the podcast, all of these other questions are, are minutia that, that really you shouldn't be focusing on. But because they get asked, we answer them. And so can you take classes during the summer at community college? Yes, you can. Of course you can. You have to understand that there are going to be some medical schools who may question that. They may never ask you that during an interview, but they may wonder why. But a lot of students do that. They go to their university during fall and spring, 
And then summer and winter break, they'll take something at home. They'll cut. They'll come home. Maybe winter break is long enough to take something. Summer break obviously is long enough to take some courses. They'll do something at home. And a lot of times they'll go to the community college. It's cheaper and it's easier. It's not uncommon. Will it hurt your chances to get into medical school? Most likely not. Will there be one or two schools or three schools or four schools, nobody knows, that will look at that and go, yeah, we prefer all pre-med prereqs be taken at a four-year university. There are going to be some of those schools out there who are going to put their nose up at community college. That is changing, though. And so you shouldn't worry about this. Can you do all of your prereqs at community college? Sure, you can. That may be a bigger red flag to some schools, but can you? Of course you can. Do well in everything that you do. Whether you're taking classes at a community college, you're taking classes at a four-year university, however you're studying for the MCAT, whatever you are doing, do it to the best of your ability and stop worrying about these small details. Can you take community college classes during the summer and then go back to your four-year university? Yes, yes you can. All right, so that was the first question. The next question here, I've never shadowed a DO physician before, but I will be applying to several DO schools this cycle. Will I be at a significant disadvantage? So this is a very common question for students who are applying to DO medical schools and they realize if you go and look at the college information book, which is the DO equivalent of the medical school application requirement, so there's the MSAR and there's the CIB. The CIB for DO schools tells you some application requirements for medical schools, for DO medical schools specifically, osteopathic medical schools. And a lot of the osteopathic medical schools want you to shadow a DO, uh, a DO physician, right? So I'm looking at the college information book right now, and one of the schools says two letters of recommendation. One must be from a physician. Strongly recommend a DO or an MD, and the other must be from a pre-medical advisory committee or science faculty member who has taught the applicant, right? Strongly recommend a DO. When you read that in the college information book, I read that as it's required. So do you need to shadow a DO to apply to DO schools? No, you don't need to, but you probably should. I've even talked to a student before here on this podcast who applied to DO schools and was given a, the student was given a conditional interview that said, you can interview at our school for a spot at our school but you have to shadow a DO before you come, right? So they looked at her application. They saw that she didn't shadow a DO and they said, shadow a DO before you come to our school to make sure that this is what you want to do. At the end of the day, being a DO, being an MD are very, 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 very similar. But DO medical schools, osteopathic medical schools have a little bit of an inferiority complex. And so they want to make sure that you understand what an osteopath does, 
even though at the end of the day, an osteopathic physician is a physician. And there are a lot of osteopathic physicians out there who don't practice OMT, right? Osteopathic manipulative therapy or treatment, osteopathic manipulative medicine. A lot of DOs don't practice osteopathic manipulation. And so if you go and you find somebody to shadow, a DO to shadow, and they don't practice OMT, then aren't you just shadowing a, an MD? Right, that's, that's the question. And a lot of students will ask themselves that. And they'll, they'll say, well, the, the DO philosophy, right? Holistic medicine, holistic, that's how we treat patients, holistically. And I have mentioned it here before, and I'll mention it again. I do not believe in the DO holistic philosophy as they sell it. I think to be a good physician, MD or DO, you need to treat patients holistically. That's not a, a monopoly that DO physicians have. They may have some secret sauce in their curriculum that helps students do that. But at the end of the day, treating patients holistically is something that good physicians do, MD or DO. So back to the initial question, should you shadow a DO before, right? Or the, the question is written, will I be at a significant disadvantage if I don't shadow a DO before applying to DO schools? Yes, I think you will be. Are there students who get accepted to DO schools without shadowing a DO? Yes, there are. But a lot of the DO medical schools want you to shadow a DO. A lot of them want a letter of recommendation from a DO. So don't limit yourself by not shadowing a DO. How do you find a DO to shadow? You Google. Google the State Osteopathic Medical Society in the state that you are in. Contact them and say, I'm a pre-med student. I want to shadow a DO. Can you put me in touch with one? Here's where I live. Is there a osteopathic physician in my area? You can just Google around and, and ask, ask friends, ask family members, call the hospitals, look around, use your Google knowledge and find a DO to shadow. Don't let that one small thing, right? Finding a physician to shadow is hard. Finding a DO is a little bit harder because the majority of physicians out there are MDs. So it's going to be even harder, but do the work so it doesn't limit you on the other end when you're looking at applying to medical schools to osteopathic medical schools, and they require a DO letter of recommendation. All right, so this next question is an interesting one. The student says, I'm currently at a crossroads. Do I want to go to PA school or do I want to go to med school? I have all pre-med prereqs done, but haven't taken the MCAT. I have taken the GRE, but don't have all PA prereqs done, depending on the school. Something unique about my situation is that I'm actually married to a physician in residency. The prospect of adding to our debt and my not contributing to the family income for four years is quite daunting. I just have so much regret that I let a false friend sway me from applying to med school while I was in college. 
I feel like I wouldn't be that stellar of a candidate for either path just because it has gotten so hard to gain entrance to either type of school. I have a BS in biophysics with a 3.73 GPA and an MPH in epidemiology of 3.51 GPA. I don't have a ton of volunteer hours in the last few years. Also, currently, I am underemployed as a tech at the hospital and a substitute teacher since we are only in our current city for one year for my husband's intern year, and there were no job openings in my field. Has anyone been in a similar situation? What has been your thought process? All right, so I responded to this in the Hangout. So I I hang out in the Hangout, and I answer a lot of questions, so another good reason for you to go and and hang out in the Hangout. And I, I said, look, after four years... Right, assuming we fast forward and you start medical school, after four years, you're either going to be a physician in residency or your internship, or you're going to be a practicing PA. Sit down, close your eyes, picture what your life looks like. Which one feels right? You have to ignore the debt. The debt is going to be there as a physician. And guess what? The debts will go away as a physician. I'm in a physician dad's group, and and there was a physician who posted there recently. He said, goodbye student loans. I'm done paying them, right? And somebody asked the question, how long did it take you to pay them off? He responded, five years. Five years to get rid of medical school student loans. If you plan appropriately and don't overspend, you can pay off your loans very quickly as a physician. You cannot be concerned about the debt. And this is a a big point of contention that I have with how expensive it is to go to medical school because I think a lot of underrepresented minorities are thinking about debt and not going to medical school because of that. And if I could just talk to them, as I'm talking to you right now, I would tell them, as I'm telling you right now, don't worry about the debt. It's something that will be there. It's something that is easily handled as a physician. Does it add an extra layer of stress to your life? Yes. Just like a mortgage does, just like car payments do, it's debt and it can be stressful. But if you manage your money properly, it can be handled. If you want to be a physician, be a physician. Don't be a PA just because you don't want to not contribute to the family for four years. Just because you don't want to add to the debt burden of your family. If you want to be a physician, which your statement here that said, I have so much regret that I let a false friend sway me from applying to med school while I was in college. That tells me that you are meant to be a physician. So do it. All right, the next question here. I might have asked this before, and I might have read the answer already and just forgotten. Is having a letter of recommendation from a physician we shadowed an important thing for medical school apps? I've seen some schools that ask for it and some that don't. So this is kind of a follow-up to the other question about DO letter of recommendations. 
A lot of DO schools want letters of recommendations from physicians, specifically DOs. A lot of the MD medical schools don't specifically mention letters of recommendations from physicians. Now, it's funny, I, I had a great conversation with a dean of admissions recently, and we were talking all about letters of recommendations and his thoughts on letters of recommendations. And he told me his thoughts about them. And he's like, look, letters of recommendations are basically pretty useless. Who is going to write a letter of recommendation that isn't positive? Right? You'll be hard-pressed to find somebody that's going to go out of their way to write you a bad letter of recommendation. So the majority of letter of rec- letters of recommendation out there are going to be, yeah, Sally was a good student, or yeah, Sally was a great shadow. Sally was this, Sally was that, Johnny was this, Johnny was that. They're a good student. I like them, good personality, blah, 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 blah. Letters of recommendations are something that students worry about too much. Go and get what's required. And this requires you having a school list. So you need to start thinking about the schools that you're planning on applying to. And look at what they require. Every medical school will require something a little different. So make sure that you have the required letters of recommendations for what the schools that you are applying to want. The general rule of thumb, have a couple science professors, have a non-science professor, have a physician, have a DO if you're applying to DO schools. Do you need a research PI? Eh, not that important. If your research PI was a science professor who taught you, then that's a good letter. Outside of that, does a research letter matter? Unless you're applying to MD-PhD programs or DO-PhD programs, not that big of a deal. Should you get a letter of recommendation from a physician? I would get one just to have it. And then if a school requires it, you have it. Is it that big of a deal if you don't have one? Probably not, unless the medical school that you are applying to requires it. Okay? All right, and the last one that we'll cover here This student says, I'm a current undergrad sophomore. When is a good time to start studying for the MCAT? I was thinking of starting this summer. The only pre-med prereqs that I have left to take are biochemistry and physics. Also, has anyone taken prep classes? Were they helpful? All right, so I'll start with the prep classes first. Will a prep class help you? Yes. Is it required? No. I think the last data that I saw is about half of the students who apply to medical school or matriculate, I I forget which one it is, if it's all applicants or just matriculants, uh, about half of those students, whichever one it is, have taken a formal prep course from Kaplan, Princeton Review, Next Step Test Prep, et cetera. About half of the students. So half of the students are doing okay without it. You don't need to do it. And the best thing we recommend, obviously go listen to the MCAT podcast at mcatpodcast.com. But the other thing, or what we talk about on the MCAT podcast, that one of the best ways to prepare is by forming a study group. So find those students around you. I've talked about the hangout on this, right? This is where I'm getting all the questions. 
if you have your date for the MCAT, search for MCAT study group on Facebook and then find the date that you're taking it. Find the study group date that you're taking the MCAT and you'll have a group of students there who are taking the MCAT the same day as you and you guys can help each other. So form a study group. All right, so when's the best time to start studying for it? The summer of your sophomore year is probably too soon. It's really only takes three or four good months of studying for the MCAT to be prepared for it. Can you start earlier? Sure. You can buy the books, go through the outline, go to the AAMC, buy their material, get their book, the ultimate guide or whatever it's called to, to the MCAT. Get that and, and look at the outline, look at the, the topics that it covers. And as you're going through your classes, look at that and say, oh, okay, this is on the MCAT. I should, I should look into this a little bit more. But if you still have a lot of prereqs, it might be harder to actually start doing questions and full lengths and reading all of the content as you're still trying to learn materials. But can you follow along while you're doing your classes and use the MCAT material as kind of supplemental information? Sure, you can do that. Again, a good three to four months, depending on what other time requirements you have, what else is taking up your time, that can play a factor in how much time you have to study. So work all of that in. And again, try to take the MCAT by March or April of the year you are planning to apply, which is the year before you're planning on starting medical school. Taking it in March or April gives you time to get your score back, gives you time to figure out what to do next, gives you time to not worry about studying for the MCAT so you can focus on your primary applications, pre-writing your secondaries, preparing for your interviews, and everything else that comes with the application process. All right, so those are the questions that I wanted to cover for you today. Again, all of these questions were taken from the Hangout, which if you're not part of, you should be, medicalschoolhq.net slash group, or on Facebook, just search for pre-med hangout. Again, almost 4,500 students in that group, super collaborative, an amazing group of students in there. I want to let you know that this podcast today is sponsored by Next Step Test Prep. If you are looking for full-length practice exams for your MCAT prep, the next step test prep is where you want to look. Time and time again, the feedback that I get from students is that the full lengths from next step are hands down the most accurate outside of the AAMC full lengths. When the score you get from next step matches what you get on your MCAT test day, you'll get that feedback too. Now, if you go onto Reddit or SDN or all these other ones, students will compare next step test one, two, three, 10, et cetera. And be like, okay, this one maybe was a little less predictive. This one a little bit more predictive. And it gets a little crazy. Students, students talking about all of that information, getting that nitty gritty. The only people that know for sure are next step because they have the data, right? Every 
student who takes a next step full length, they're getting data from their students. They're adjusting their scores based on the, the student's tests. So their full lengths are far and away from what students have been saying are the best ones out there. You can use the promo code MSHQ and save 10% off of any of their full-length practice tests. You can also use that promo code on anything else that Next Step has to offer, including their tutoring, their MCAT course, etc. If you go to nextsteptestprep.com, again, use the promo code MSHQ, and that's an affiliate code, so I get a little a beer money when you use that code. So if you're thinking about using Next Step, I would love for you to use that code. I recommend them not because I get a little beer money, because I can have that affiliate relationship with any of the test prep companies, but because the feedback that you give me is that Next Step is the best out there. So go check them out, nextsteptestprep.com, and use the promo code MSHQ. I hope you have a great week, and I will see you again here next time on The Pre-Med Years. (laughs) 